It's time for another bisexual brunch, this time with Lewis Oakley, Ashley Byrne, but no Nicky Hodgson. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. Welcome to another Bisexual Brunch. And Nikki, as we said at the top of the show, is away this week. She's moving house, I believe, which is immensely stressful, of course. And I had no idea that she was moving this week at all. I had no idea she was moving, actually. Lewis, did you? She didn't mention this to me, but I know that she was having problems like with this whole dog thing. So I wonder if it's all part of the dog ruse, like to get a dog is why she's moving house, because that's her commitment to having a dog. So we'll find out next week, I'm sure. But yeah, she did not mention this to me at all. And having like seen into her living room through doing this show, like that is a lot of stuff to move. And we've both been there, haven't we? It's quite big and every room is stacked with stuff. So I'm so glad... For, for this purpose that we're in lockdown because I'm glad she's not asking me to go help her move. I don't think she's got any um, green spaces near her, has she? And, uh, uh, you know, she's got nowhere to you know, walk the dog around in, in nature and whatever, so maybe that's what it's all about. Um, but she's certainly got this dog thing in her head, hasn't she? She really wants a dog. It's certainly become a a big thing during lockdown for Nikki. Yeah, well, I was telling her to lie and just say that the... Because they asked on the form for her, apparently, um, like, what size is your garden? And she's got a balcony. So I was like, well, there's a park across the street. Just, like, put the dimensions of the park. Like, what are they going to do? Come and check? And you'll be there anyway. It's like a garden. Well, Nikki's not around at the moment. So in a place, you'd better watch out, Nikki. You might have some competition here. We, we've got Joan Atkin, who is the newly crowned Miss Great Britain. You are newly crowned, aren't you? Oh, actually, it was nearly a year ago. <laughs> ah, okay. But you're still in the news at the moment, of course, and it, it's great to have you on the show as you are openly bisexual, recently openly bisexual. Um, and there's a story around that which we'd love to talk about in a moment. Um, and we'll also chat about some other things as well across the show. I've been getting very frustrated with a load of soaps and dramas that have recently been trying to tick various boxes around sexuality and gender, but keep getting it all mixed up. We've also got a personal story from Michael in Atlanta, who has only recently come out as bisexual. In fact, he told us that it was partly because of bisexual brunch that he recently made the leap to be open about his sexuality. So we're hearing about his story. He's only recently been on his first date since coming out, which of course was difficult around lockdown. Uh, We'll hear about all that coming up. Uh, But Jen, lovely to talk to you. Just give us a bit of background to start off, if you can, about how you got into um, this world of pageantry and what made you want to compete in the Miss Great Britain competition in the first place? Oh, gosh, it's such a long story. I'll try and summarise it. But um, So I wasn't a very um, confident um, young lady, a young person. Um, I was always a bigger girl and... Up until the point of of being around 22, I was 
I hit 18 stair and I was quite a big girl um, and I didn't have very much confidence but I was in a serious relationship at the time um, so it was it was comfortable and it, it never really worried me because I always had my um, then fiance as like a comfort blanket um, and then unfortunately he left um, he left me for someone else which was which was at the time horrendous um, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me um, because from then I decided to to go on this crazy weight loss journey and I started going to the gym and eating really well and I taught myself how to cook and I lost eight stone it took me a long time to do but even as as I'm still a bigger girl and, and losing the weight and getting healthier I just became this more confident and energetic person and I felt like I'd been sort of like given another chance at life because I'd not really done much living in my young age. And I thought, right, well, now I've got all this energy. I need to do everything that I ever dreamt of doing. Um, so I, I've done some crazy things since then. I've, I've learned how to ride a motorbike. I've thrown myself off buildings. I've done cra- so loads of crazy things that you can even think about. I've flown a plane by myself. Like it's been crazy. Um, and just one thing that just interested me was pageants and I've always been sort of quite I've always known who I am um and I've been proud of who I am but I've never been confident enough to sort of show the world who I am um and pageants sort of gave me this platform to sort of shout from the rooftops this is who I am um this is every part of me and um I was lucky enough to get a lot of press um when I started doing Miss England and I was always truthfully myself. Um, unfortunately, the first two years were not very successful in pageantry. Um, although I did come second in Miss England, it just wasn't enough for me. Um, so then I went and decided to do Miss Great Britain. And I was just my crazy bonkers self from the start, turning up at events with boxes of crisps and <laughs> just just being my normal goofy self. I think people have this um image of what a beauty queen is supposed to be and everyone stereotypes them and I was just adamant that I was gonna um if I if I was to be Miss Great Britain which obviously I I won I was adamant that I was going to start trying to banish that stereotype um because everyone just presumes they're gonna a beauty queen's gonna be this size six or size zero um skinny beautiful goddess of a woman with no personality and no brains and that is absolutely not true um so I went in as myself and I thought if I don't win then at least I've been myself for the whole thing and I mean I was probably the biggest girl on the stage I'm a size 12 um and I'm curvy I've got stretch marks all over me and it doesn't phase me in the slightest I love them um but I like walked down that stage strutted my stuff um and I was just confident and I felt um amazing within myself and I thought this is such a good moment I felt so proud of what I'd already achieved and I thought even if I don't win today I've been myself I've you know, show myself from my glory and whatever happens, happens. And the judges obviously liked what the judges obviously liked, um, that I was so confident and, and liked my story and whatever. And I managed to win. And from that moment, I, I just made a vow to, whilst I was, would be in rain, I would do everything in my power to banish this stereotype of beauty queens. Um, and that's what, that's what I'm trying to do, really. You're from Lincolnshire, aren't you? I am, yeah. And whereabouts? Up the coast somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Grimsby, just next to Cleethorpes. Yeah, I know it well. Being a Yorkshire lad, we used to go up there all the time for holidays when I was a kid. Oh, no, you're one of them that bombards the beach every summer. 
<laughs> a long time ago. But uh, uh, just tell us about how it works these days, because I remember when I was young, um, Miss Great Britain, that existed, I think, um, and all the ITV regions, you know, Yorkshire, Granada, Central, London Weekend, they'd all have their own localised Miss YTV competition or Miss HTV competition, which then filtered through to the main national event, and I think possibly a world event as well, Miss World and all that kind of thing. Did you have to become Miss Lincoln first or Miss Lincolnshire first uh, before you uh, were able to get the chance to try Miss Great Britain? Yeah. Um, so there's loads of different pageants um, in the UK. Um, obviously, the main ones being Miss World England, um, which I was lucky to come second in, and Miss Great Britain, which is the longest uh, running pageant um, in the country. Um, and then there's loads of other ones um, that are slightly smaller. Um, obviously, there's Miss Universe as well, um, which is huge. <laughs> but um, so most of them... <clears throat> A lot of them, you you just pay and you sort of get into the final. But with Miss Great Britain and Miss England, you actually um, do a heat for your region. And the crazy thing is, I applied for Miss Lincolnshire and I actually came second. Um, it's crazy. And the girl who won had to had to pull out. So obviously, I was then um, the because I was a runner up. I got given Miss Lincolnshire. So I actually might not have even been able to be in the finals if it weren't for her dropping out. So thanks, hon, you've made my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I won Miss Lincolnshire and that got me into the Miss Great Britain finals. And then there I was, top two. And then I won, which is bonkers, but... <laughs> I had no idea there were so many pageants that still went on. I think it's fantastic, though, like... I, I feel like it's weird with all of the kind of like reality shows we have. Why don't we have that many about pageants? And also, are there ones for men? Because maybe I could become a pageant guy. I would love that. Yeah, there is. There's so many for men as well. I mean, there's not as many for men as there are women. Um, but there's Mr. England, which is like quite a big one. You should definitely go for that. Ash, maybe we should just start our own pageant, like Mr. Bisexual. We could tour the country doing this show interviewing bisexual men and crown one of them the winner. I, I seem to remember a, a period of time, actually, back in the 90s, I think, when Mr Gay UK was a was a big thing. I went to some of the uh, some of the events, actually. I think it was run by an organisation in Leeds at the time. And, um, I think Graham Norton might have presented it one year. But it seems to have disappeared from the mainstream media these days. There seems to be a bit of snobbery, doesn't there, about um, these kind of things, these pageantry shows. Because a lot of people, of course, think they're sexist what do you say about that i think um the thing is i was one of them people who would look at pageants back in the day and be like oh you know it's just women flaunting themselves and men drooling over it and i was definitely one of them people back in the day but until you actually enter it or go watch them um it's completely different these days and in fact, just being on a stage in your bikini is the smallest part of the pageant. There's so many different rounds to it now. There's a charity round that encourages you to go out and, and raise money or awareness for your chosen charities. There's publicity round. There's talent round. There's so there's so many different rounds of um, a pageant. And in fact, being on stage in a bikini is one of the smallest rounds. And it's not even judged on the way you look. It's judged on your confidence and, and how you can work the stage. It's absolutely not judged on looks or figure and um pageants these days i mean back in the day they used to read out your measurements and and how tall you are and whatever um and your waist size they do not do that anymore um and pageants are just completely different it would just be so much it, 
it'd just be great for everyone to sort of see how pageants are these days because they've changed so much. But unfortunately, because they're not televised anymore, um, people don't really have a reason to go watch them or go see them unless they're a fan or unless a family member's competing. So it's a bit of a shame, really. But, you know, things might change. But as the winner, don't you have to have some kind of mission for the year that can be charitable or social or something like that? What's been your uh, mission while being Miss Great Britain? So I guess things are a bit different these days and you don't really have to do anything if you don't want to with your title. Um, But I'm really passionate on um, healthy living, healthy eating and fitness. And that's sort of been like my platform, obviously, because of my experience. And um, I was just adamant to inspire people and, and get people you know, feeling the way that I feel, healthy and and energetic and doing fitness and whatever. And it was never a case of, um, you know, oh, everyone should look like me or anything like that. Like I said, I'm still a curvy girl, um, but I feel so much better on the inside as well as the outside. And that was always my platform. And I mean, I, I definitely think I've inspired a few people, maybe not enough as yet, but there's still time. Um, but yeah, that's been my main platform um, so far. How is the... How has the healthy living and eating been in lockdown? Because I have never been more unhealthy, which is strange because they took my social life away. They took my daily commute away. I should arguably have more time. I feel like I've got less. That like I And I like try and commit to doing these fitness videos don't. I literally like Tesco's is across the road from where we live. So I have like a massive what I call my second fridge over there just full of healthy foods and I'm still here like I just had a sausage sandwich and it's literally like I'm like why is this so hard and also I do think it's it's based on your body type right so I used to go to work and I would like have a McDonald's for lunch and the guy next to me is like you are so lucky if I ate that for lunch like like there'd be no, like I wouldn't get through the door whereas you like you come in you eat it and, and you're fine and I think maybe I'm one of those people that's relied on my body a bit but I actually do want to be healthy I'm getting old so I'm like but I found it so hard in lockdown to commit to anything oh god you are literally my spirit animal <laughs> look like I'm I'm human too like I mess up all the time like sometimes I can I can come home from work on Monday and just down a bottle of wine like I'm still human and um, there's definitely been days where I've eaten way too much um but it's about balance you know and um I guess I just have this picture in my mind of like how like I felt when I was a lot bigger and I'd just never be able to get to that point again but I've put weight on in lockdown too you know like I found I found food and alcohol so comforting so I get it like I totally understand um but I guess I just I've I've got a bit more balance in in me from my experiences what do you make of the amount of pressure that's on people who are overweight you know I'm in that category uh, of being overweight and uh, you know I, I can eat a very small amount and still put weight on you know, I've got a low carb diet, but I never managed to lose any weight. Uh, exercise a little bit, not as much as I'd like to because of uh, lockdown at the moment. But, you know, it doesn't have an effect on me. You know, it's a metabolism thing, I think. How do you feel about the way people are overweight are treated, you know, particularly over social media and things? Because um, if we're in a society where we're trying to banish all these isms, it seems to me that the two isms that people get away with all the time are ageism and sizeism. It's appalling, really, isn't it? I think I think this generation, like whether you're overweight or underweight, someone will always have something to say to you. You can never do right for doing wrong. Um, people will judge you on your size, no, mo- no matter what size you are, um, and and it 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 is really sad. Um, like I do think if you are incredibly overweight or really underweight, 
um, it, it is really hard and it's really hard to get into a good routine and be consistent, healthy eating. It, it is hard. Um, I've been there. Like, I know how hard it is to lose weight. It's horrendous. But the thing that annoys me is that there's celebrities and people with all these followers that go around and support and promote bad bad fad stupid diets like slimming drinks and all these quick fixes and and these powders that you drink and these tablets that you drink and it is so wrong because it's not the right way to go about it and um that's sort of I guess why I'm trying to be that person and I mean I know I know I'm not a big public figure or anything like that um but I just want to get out there and be like this is so wrong but everyone's different and everyone loses weight at a different speed like there's so many different factors to being healthy in in different people yeah I mean I went to the railway station the other day and was sat on a bench eating a snack waiting for my partner who's doing some shopping and I was aware of some people on a bench not far away from me staring at me you know, it's a strange thing because people think they can stare at you for any reason kind of thing. They're judgmental and accusatory because, you, because you're overweight. You know, I was eating something. So it's like, oh, let's look at this overweight person who's eating something. You know, I find that, I find it appalling, actually. Yeah, I think people are like that for anything. But I think people always judge no matter what. People will always have an opinion on something. Um, but that's, I don't know, like 30 seconds of their life that they've seen of you. So they have no right to judge. But I just people will always judge. And as long as you know what you're doing and, and you're happy with what you're doing, that's the most important thing. I feel like we just put, put too much pressure on ourselves to listen to other people when really they have absolutely no right to an opinion on our lives. <laughs> The other thing is, of course, is that bigger men and bigger women do exist. They've always existed and always will. And, you know, uh, bigger men and women can also be attractive, can't they? Of course. Well, what did they say? Um, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Is that the one? That's the one, right? (laughs) I'm just thinking back to different characters you see on the TV. You know, some big people, big ladies in particular, would ooze sex appeal in the past. You know, there's quite a few I can remember over the years. And then, of course, some people lose lots of weight all of a sudden and they don't always look as good as they did, do they? You know, but, you know, it's it's a strange one, really. But I want to come back to Lewis for a second. Every week he comes on and I see him preening himself, particularly his hair, uh, which this week is, is fantastic. Great stuff, Lewis. I could see Lewis in a pageant, couldn't you? I would love it. And just a little note on my hair. A, I'm having to cut it myself. B... The the last week has been crazy. Work's been busy. The baby's been needy. Um, and literally, like, my, my I've just become more disheveled throughout the week and not had time to do my hair. But today I actually did. So it's nice to have it noticed because it's the first time I've done oh, my hair about nice. a week. Um, so what was I going to say? Um, pageant. Oh, so basically, when I was about 17, it was so funny to give you a bit of context. Like, my parents and I had just had a massive row about I wasn't independent enough. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I get this email from someone I've been emailing before that was like inviting me to London to take part in a London Fashion Week show. And I was like, I'm off to London. I'm going to go model, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I did the, I did the show. And honestly, I can tell you, I'll never forget the moment. Walking down that runway, having everyone look at you was the first time in my life I actually felt confident. And I think that confidence has grown from that moment because I actually was quite, believe it or not, quite shy um, growing up. And then I did that show and I was like, nah, this is cool. So I think there's so much that um, probably pageants can bring. So yeah, watch out. I might do some Googling. Maybe I'll become a pageant king. Oh my God, you should. I think you'd suit it so much. But yeah, it is so empowering, isn't it? 
just being on stage and strutting your stuff. Absolutely. And it's not about, because I think there is that thing of like, oh, shallowness, but actually learning to love yourself and doing the best with what you have as well. It's like, look, I don't need to be as muscly as him or as tall as him. I, I am me. Um, you know, if I eat right, I can be like this. You know, if I look after my skin, you know, it's stuff like I used to have really bad skin. I used to have such dry skin until I actually did some research. It was like, you've got dry skin. Stop using perfume products. Use these products. And then my skin, and it's about being the best you can be and being confident with it. And I think that's what we all should aim for, right? Not to be like anyone else, but to be the best versions of ourselves. I totally agree with that, yeah. Oh, see, that could be my winning speech. (laughs) I'd definitely cry on you mr england with that (laughs) thank you well we're all unique at the end of the day and it's great to hear from you jen that a lot of it is now more about personality and what people are like as individuals rather than just looks it sounds like your quirkiness and your broader personality was what gave you the edge for miss great britain on top of what you look like oh thanks i hope so (laughs) i won the personality round as well so i guess that says something did they tell you what it was about your personality that they like that they like no they didn't say actually but i I was really lucky i won the best best in interview at personality and then the whole thing i suppose they didn't really have much of a choice at that point (laughs) okay well thanks for joining us jen in a moment we'll talk about bisexuality and the fact that you recently announced that you were bisexual uh that's coming up after these messages You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch Podcast. Suicide is sadly something which affects people from all backgrounds. I got a phone call that she, only minutes after I had spoken to her, had killed herself. I felt like I've killed my best friend. I'm Daryl Morris, radio presenter, writer, columnist and professional northerner. I'm Professor Alice Roberts and this is Life Matters. Brought to you by the Zero Suicide Alliance. We do know that there are some people who tend to be more at risk than others. In our latest research, we'll be hearing what effect losing a loved one to suicide can have on young people. I've felt guilty and I still feel a little bit guilty for not calling her mother or calling the police. Whenever I see these kind of things, I would always call for help. From Norway, we'll be hearing from Inga Bjorg Blinheim and her story about how she became a guardian angel of a closed Instagram community where many young people have taken their own lives. A lot of people is ashamed that they have the, these accounts. They have really depressing usernames, so it's quite obvious that it is those kinds of accounts. This is Life Matters with Daryl Morris and Professor Alice Roberts. Listen within your podcast provider and visit zerosuicidealliance.com for a free online awareness course that could help you save lives. From the creators of Bisexual Brunch. Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving 40-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes! Good boy. You just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong. Masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Matt Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Listen by searching for the Distinct Nostalgia podcast 
or visit distinctnostalgia.com. We gotta do something about your voice, kid. We're gonna snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Uh, louder. Ah. Uh, louder. <laughs> Rock. Winner of the BBC's first ever online audio drama award. Look, Dale. I'm dying of this godforsaken disease and pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. Hello and welcome to The Likely Dads, a new series that looks at parenting from the paternal perspective. I'm always wary of people who plan kids. If your life's that structured, stay away from me, we're not going to get on. (laughs) A brand new show from the team behind Bisexual Brunch. I'm Tim Vincent and each week I'll be joined by my fellow Likely Dads, Mick Ferry and Russell Kane, as well as a series of special guests to discuss different aspects of fatherhood. When a man has an urge to have a a child, it's not spoken about much, women sort of own this area. (laughs) I was sort of hoping it was going to be like the old films I watch, where I'd just have a pipe and I'd be in a study. You just go, you're going to see your father now for ten minutes. <laughs> Hello, children, what have you been up to today? I'm not interested. All right, off to bed. <laughs> An MIM production for BBC Radio 4. We hope you'll join us and subscribe to The Likely Dads on BBC Sounds. Only on Distinct Nostalgia. When I ran out of children's books, I used to read from Woman's Own. Who knew a four-year-old would be gripped by an article on cross-stitch? We're uniting the ages with Generation Games, a series of comedy and drama monologues and duologues coming exclusively to distinct nostalgia. Stories exploring connections, friendships and relationships between people across different age groups, beginning with Missing You, starring June Brown and Sam Barnard. Mum thinks I need protecting but I need protecting from love. Pity that social worker of his can't do something useful for a change. Contact the noise abatement lot. Put in a complaint. I like her, I said. And then, silence. What's the problem? I asked. She'll take advantage of you, Mum warned. Missing You by Richard Verjet, With the legendary June Brown only on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. Welcome back to Bisexual Brunch. It's just me and Lewis at the moment. Nikki is away moving house at the moment. So we're joined instead by Jen Atkin, who's Miss Great Britain. She's been talking to us about becoming Miss Great Britain. Fascinating stuff. Um, But Jen, you've also recently uh, come out as bisexual. Um, that's certainly got a bit of interest in the media, as any time anyone seems to come out as one thing or another, it gets lots of media attention still. We've not really moved on, have we? Tell us a little bit about your story. Take us back. Have you always known that you were bisexual, or was it something that just evolved over time? So, I was, like I said, I was always quite a um, shy child, and um, I never really had many friends. And at age about 14... Um, I still, uh, you know, didn't really have an attraction to um, anyone at that point um, until I started hanging out with my neighbour, who was a girl. Um, she was my first kiss and um, I just completely fell in love with this girl. And from that moment, I thought I was just a lesbian. I just thought, well, I obviously don't like guys. I just, I like girls and that's just who I am. Um, being young, I didn't really... I think there wasn't isn't enough education in schools, and I just presumed like you know, you, you get with the opposite sex, you have babies, and bish bash bosh, you're done. So at age fourteen, when I was thinking, wow, I'm a lesbian, this is this is it. 
I was I was quite nervous and, and I didn't tell anyone about it. It was just me and my girlfriend at the time who knew. Um, and we ended it and I went through school and everything. And I'd never really had boyfriends. I never really had a lot of people that wanted to be with me. I was very shy. Um, and then I just sort of like started getting boyfriends as I went into my late teens because it just seemed like the thing to do. Just seemed that everyone was doing that. So you do it just to go along with the trend and whatever. Um, but I'd, I've never really had a serious relationship until, um, I was with a guy when I was 19, we got engaged, got a house and everything. And unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, and when he left me, that's when I started losing the weight and getting confidence again. And I've never really been the sort of person to go out drinking or go out, you know, whatever. And I went to Manchester, um, down, um, to all the gay bars. Is it called Canal Street? Um, and I had the best night ever and I met a girl there and she was like my first, um, girlfriend after my very young relationship at 14. She was like my first serious girlfriend after that. And it, it just felt right. And at that point I thought I'm definitely bisexual and I need to tell my family. I need to tell my friends because I'm at this point now where I'm rid of my ex relationship and know who I am and know what I like and, that's just me and I rung my mum um I was still living in in my own house so I rung my mum and I, I told her and I was absolutely petrified I remember looking at my phone for ages thinking is this the right thing to do is this the right thing to do and I thought I need to tell her because if this relationship with with this new girl ends up being me marrying her then obviously there's going to be a point where my family need to know and I bit the bullet and I told my mum and she was so supportive and she was like Jen don't worry it's fine like we already already knew well they didn't know but they already had like an inkling um that you know I liked both guys and girls and they sort of had an inkling they were like it's fine um I told my friends but ever like if I had gone out for a night out with my friends like there was always me snogging someone I was always snogging someone if, if it was a Gary girl whatever and like I guess they kind of always knew they always made jokes about it but I was I was never sort of like guys I am bisexual I'm you know I want to see men or women it don't make a difference to me um so I just messaged them in the group chat and I was like, I just want you to all know I'm bisexual. And they were like, yeah, cool, no probs. So what are you, what are you doing tonight? What, what are you doing? What are you having for tea? Like it was just sort of, it was easy because I guess they already knew, but it was just me saying it that I was like, wow, this weight has been lifted and it's it's not something, you know, you can just joke about anymore because it's true and and whatever. And um, so this relationship with this, this new girl, Sean, went on for a few months um and then I had a few flings with other people and then I met a guy who I had a serious relationship with who I actually went on to marry and that's the end of that really um so yeah that's my life <laughs> one of the things I found really interesting so I was reading a piece in the sun on you and you said that there wasn't much difference between dating men and women Whereas I found the opposite to be true. I've actually found, like, so when I was with my ex-boyfriend, and I always say this, it gets taken out of context, but I say it for impact anyway, is like, once I stopped dating a guy and being in a same-sex relationship, I had to relearn sexism because there were certain ways girls wanted to be treated and guys wanted to be treated, and I was just a bit, like, clueless. Um, so what, what have you found the difference to be between, like, going between those kind of relationships See, I've not found it that that different because 
I, I mean, I always go based on personality anyway. I always have like a certain personality that I like, I like to go for. Um, and for me, like being with someone is like your best friends with them. Do, do you know what I mean? And so I've always just gone for people who are, have sort of been like a best friend to me. And it's just always been like comfortable. So I guess from, from that perspective, it's just not really been much. Obviously, all the things that you do are, are different. Um, but to me, it's not really been as much different the only thing that i found different is if you you know when you're going out for tea or whatever just everyone presumes that you're friends and i mean that doesn't bother me but i guess it's a little bit different in that sense that's interesting it's also interesting that you were kind of from 14 um were kind of comfortable and then in your teen years were dating guys as well because what i found is a lot of people that will reach out to me um are like maybe guys that have always dated women and now they're dating their first guy in like their 20s and one thing i've always like well one thing i think we don't talk about enough is like relationship maturity age as in you've got all this experience of dating this one gender but then you're dating this other gender for the first time and actually you're like a 12 year old girl again or a 12 year old boy it's like all new and like you know i think that's why sometimes bisexuals can mess up it's like well i don't know i didn't have the experience i might be 28 but like this is the first time i've dated this this gender yeah so uh, I was 14 when I had my first sexual relationship um, with a woman and it was very, I think it was more even more comfortable because obviously we were both women like I mean she knew what she was doing more than I did um, but it, it was so much more comfortable than my first time with a man um, I feel like the first time with a man it was it was very much peer pressure and I was just doing it like to get it done sort of thing and it wasn't enjoyable in the slightest um, but I guess because I did it that way round, it was never weird for me afterwards, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, but I, I actually prefer so much more having sex with a woman than with a man. I find it so much more comfortable and just so much more natural. Um, I know a lot of people will be different in that, but I just find it... I, not as in like I know what I'm doing more, but it's it, it's just a lot more comfortable for me. That's interesting because we often have this conversation about whether people are 50-50 or 80-20, 70-30. We also often talk about things like people, you know, being sexually attracted to one gender and more emotionally attracted to another. And we found that a lot of people don't really get that. So somebody who doesn't understand bisexuality at all will listen to what you've just said uh, and say, well, you, you're obviously not bisexual. Uh, but sexuality, of course, is more than sex, isn't it? It's about personality, friendship, and all sorts of things, isn't it, really? Do you think there is an element there with that? Do you think that you're more sexually attracted to women and more emotionally attracted to men, or is it more of a balance? I think there's just a balance, really. I'm I'm not attracted to a gender. I'm attracted to a person. Um, it, it doesn't make a difference to me if they're a man or a woman. I look for things in different things in personality and stability and if I married a woman, I married a woman. It it don't make a difference to me, really. Um, I feel like once you fall for someone in that sort of way, sex is different anyway. So regardless of what gender they are, regardless of whatever, once you feel that way about a person, everything else just feels so much better anyway. How important is it to you to acknowledge that you're bisexual and for people to know that you're bisexual? It's, see, it's never been an issue for me. I've always been open about it to 
anyone that I've ever been with. Um, there's obviously been different reactions. I've been really been lucky with the the guys that I've had serious relationships with. Um, have always been really understanding of it. Um, there's been times where I've met people, and and this absolutely bores me. Um, when you meet a guy, and the the first thing um that springs to his head is, oh, we can have a threesome then. Oh, you can go get with other girls then. And I'm like, wow, just because I like girls as well as guys doesn't mean I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, don't get me wrong, like. I'll I'll do it, but if I want to be in a serious relationship with someone and I don't want to be with anyone else, then that's that. Don't mean I want to have a threesome with everyone. And that's one thing that really irritates me. And and people judge as well. People look and especially when I came out in the in the paper, um, and people were messaging me and they were like, Oh, I bet you've had a good time with this and this and this. And I'm like, why did people sexualize it so much? Why can't you be in a relationship with one person without them thinking that you're gonna have threesomes every day? And do you get annoyed at how people think it means you're attracted to everyone? Because I always say, like, right, like, bisexual, you like, yeah, I'm attracted to more than one gender, but I would probably say I'm only attracted to about 5% of each of those genders. I'm probably attracted to less people than your typical straight or gay guy. Yeah, oh, honestly, it, it drives me insane because everyone thinks that just because you're bisexual, you're going to fancy every girl you come across. And that's not the case at all. And I guess that's that's why I I waited until after I won Miss Great Britain. Um, not that I knew I was going to win, but I thought if to it to sort of like make a big announcement about it, because I never wanted I never wanted people to think that. I was doing it because loads of women were there and loads of people were going to be undressing in front of me. That was never the case. Um, it's it's completely different. I, I don't... So I was just going to say how... Because I came out quite publicly and now, you know, can't really distinguish my own name from having bisexual tagged either side of it, especially online. Um, how did you find coming out publicly and like that resulting thing? I know you said obviously you had people messaging you about, oh, you had a good time, which I do think is different between bisexual men and bisexual women. Like, it is always sexualized more for the women. But how have you found that public coming out? And was it liberating? Were you worried about, oh, my God, there's no going back? Because my kind of coming out publicly, I did it in an article in Metro. And part of it was there were still people in my family that didn't know. And I backed out so many times that when the editor was like, okay, this is going live on Thursday, I was like, okay, I've got three days to tell my family or they'll read about it in the news. <laughs> and it was a really good, good motivator. Yeah, no, I was exactly the same. And um, the, there was only sort of the older generation of our family that didn't know. Um, and I was worried about it because I know my, my granny especially had made comments in the past because they are sit, a lot of people are sitting the wrong ways. Um, and I didn't tell her before the story went out because... I was too worried about what she'd say. Um, but I rung her after because she texted me and she was like, wow, I didn't know that. And um, she was fine with it. And I wish I'd just told her from the start because I think a lot when you your family do support you, don't they? Um, but the response was great. I had a lot of people um, that messaged me. In fact, contestants of Miss Great Britain who competed with me last year who messaged me and they were like, Jen, that was so brave. I'm bisexual too, but nobody knows. And um, it it just felt like such a great thing, not just for me to be able to get it off my chest and like a weight lifted for me, but for other people to look and see, well, Miss Great Britain's bisexual. So, you know, I can be proud of that too. Um, oh, it makes me want to cry because I, I just had so many messages off lovely people that were in the same position as me a few weeks ago who are now thinking of coming out and 
that's that's the main thing for me, you know, just be proud of who you are. We're finding that a lot on Bisexual Brunch, actually. Uh, we keep getting messages, particularly from men or in relationships, either straight-facing or gay-facing. And most of them are monogamous relationships, but they want to be open about their sexuality and uh, to their partners. And we're, we're providing a bit of a lifeline for them, it seems. Um, you'll probably have found, you know, some of, with some of the older people you've talked to, that they'll declare themselves of having been bisexual for their entire lives, you know, but not being able to come clean about it and come out about it. Um, Nikki is a case in point. Nikki came out and then her mum followed suit. Um, you know, she revealed that she'd been bisexual all her life after all. Um, we're in a funny old world, aren't we, where lesbian and gay people are very much accepted to an extent now, but we're still struggling, aren't we, to understand that there is this middle ground where people can be attracted to different genders. And we've got some way to go in terms of people being able to be themselves, haven't we, really? Um, going back to the female side of things, there must be a tremendous pressure to date men and to get on with things, you know, have kids, all that kind of thing. Uh, but you've also got the added pressure from men sexualizing lesbian relationships, haven't you? you? You know, which means that any kind of relationship you try and form with a woman in society's terms is not really treated seriously, is it? And and I think that's partly the problem that many gay women have, isn't it? They they become suspicious of bisexuality because they know there's the pressure on a woman to conform. Uh, and that must create lots of insecurity for lesbian women who end up dating bisexual women. You could in a way you can understand it because that's the the mantra, isn't it? That's what everyone thinks. Yeah, I I definitely just think um I've been brought up in a world that that wants you to do things by different ages and you get married, you get a house, you have babies. And I just, I think it's, it's so unfair these days that, that people expect you to do all that. And I've, I've been asked for years and years and years, oh, so when are you having kids then? When are you having kids then? Um, I don't even know if I want kids or anything, but there's so many pressures on, on life. And we, I think we need to change that. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you, because I know you've talked about your family, but it was just about friends as well, because I found it quite hard going from dating a guy to dating a girl with friends wise, because I had friends that had seen me in a relationship with a man for years. And even though I'd always said I'm bisexual, they'd never seen it. And when we broke up and then they suddenly saw me kissing girls, it was almost as if I betrayed the coven. And I actually lost some friends with with my ex. And I think a lot of bisexuals, um, certainly like if you look at research, and if you speak to some of them, Sometimes they say in relationships that they know are a bit wrong because it's not just leaving a relationship and leaving that circumstance. It's also leaving that culture. It's like, oh, well, I might lose my connection to the LGBT. My lesbian friends might not want to hang out with me if I'm with a guy. Have you ever had any experience like that? No, I've been really lucky, I guess, with um, my group of friends that they've always been really supportive. And like I've got friends who are who are bi and lesbian and I guess it's just sort of been, I mean, if anyone's not, liked it or whatever they're not said anything but I've been really lucky and it's such a shame that you've lost friends from it because but but it's not a shame because if they were your true friends then they'd support you no matter what so really it's quite a good thing and get rid of the toxicity or however you pronounce it <laughs> yeah good riddance well Jen it's lovely to talk to you stay with us because we're going to have some more conversations with you around bisexuality a little bit later on but first we're going to hear our next bisexual story this is Michael from Atlanta who's one of the men who's reached out to us and has only recently come out as bisexual. You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch Podcast. 
Well, lovely to talk to you, uh, Michael, from Atlanta. <laughs> uh, you're looking very smart for very early in the morning. Um, tell us about your bisexual journey then. How old are you and how you came to decide that actually you are bisexual? Absolutely. So I am 33. I, yeah, I just kind of came to terms or, or kind of matured into the idea that I was bisexual about three, three and a half weeks ago. Um, although obviously this has been an, an ongoing journey my entire life. I, I am single. Um, I have been single for a very long time. And I think what kind of spurred this, this conversation with myself is that I, you know, in, in quarantine, obviously no, no one's dating or no one should be dating. Um, but I, you know, re-downloaded a couple of the dating apps and I was on there, you know, swiping through, through women and just out of curiosity's sake, I decided to change my preference settings. Um, and I, I put it on everyone and just, I don't know, my heart started racing and I, you know, started looking through and I was swiping through. It was exhilarating and terrifying. <laughs> I didn't know exactly what that meant. So I immediately switched the settings back to women and I um, started listening to podcasts, <laughs> uh, started thinking about my, my own life and my past and, and kind of came to terms with this, this new, new label for the identity for myself. <laughs> Now, this is all very new, isn't it, for you? But there must have been times throughout your life when you considered that you might be attracted to men as well as women. Tell us about those. I mean, the first true memory I have of it would be when I was in school, when I was in fourth grade, so maybe 10, 9 or 10 years old. Um, you know, the, the 90s boy band, the Backstreet Boys, was big. And I remember having a very distinct crush on one of the singers, Nick Carter. Uh, and I, I remember going to my best friend's house, who, who was a boy, and I, I'm like, I don't want to be gay. I, I had just learned what that word was, and I was terrified of that. But I knew I had this attraction to this this celebrity. Um, so I guess if if we want to talk, I mean, if we want to really think back, that was that was the first brush with it. Um, throughout my life, I mean, I, I always maintained that I was straight. I have had you know, valid attraction to women uh, throughout my life. I mean, but there was always maybe a celebrity or just a, a personality on screen or, or on stage that I, I found an attraction to, um, which which always, again, scared me a little. But <laughs> I always thought that, you know, I, I had that little crush in fourth grade, you know, maybe it was out of my system. But you never did anything about it. You, you never thought about going to a gay bar or talking to men in that way. That was never something that you considered. No, um, and I, I never, I never exclusively identified with the gay community. I mean, I, I never felt that that was somewhere that I personally needed to be. Um, I mean, I, I supported the community. I, from college on, I mean, I, I had friends who were gay, but I, I never, I never felt that that attraction um, in terms of the community at large and and exploring that and and identifying with that. So did the word bisexual ever come into your mind? When, when did you start considering yourself as possibly bi as opposed to a straight man who recognises good-looking men? The earliest that I even considered that label was maybe four or five years ago. Um, I mean, they, there were even times where just like having a conversation in my head, I'd, I would like try on the term gay and I'd be like, that's not it. Like that, I do not feel that. Or, But I, I did try then, maybe I'm bisexual and I'm, I still couldn't wrap my head around it. So I, I kind of threw around secretly the term like heteroflexible, 
like I, I'm like, I'm straight, but I recognize that there's this attraction and that's fine. Um, but, but again, lately I, I didn't think that hetero flexible still applied. I, I thought, I think my sexuality has matured to the point that I can, I can take on this moniker and, and just kind of run with it. Um, you know, when I, I said that I, I had redownloaded the dating apps. Um, so in general, I, I haven't dated a ton. Um, I, again, I, I did have a long-term girlfriend, uh, from like the end of high school through the middle of college. I graduated college 10 years ago. So, so that obviously says, says a ton about my, my long-term dating commitments, but I, I've gone on a couple of dates with women here and there. And, you know, I, I recently kind of realized that I, I've had this mental block. Uh, that I, I haven't really wanted to date until I could kind of acknowledge that I want to date on different <laughs> different ends of the spectrum. So I I, I feel like it, finally acknowledging this kind of opened up the possibility for more um, and more of just a capacity to to want to date again. So when you've had relationships, did anything ever come into your mind that you might have different needs that weren't being met or? Or did you feel not 100% comfortable in that situation? Um, or were you completely focused on that other person at that particular moment? Yes, I, I was always committed. I, I mean, the one that one long-term girlfriend, I mean, we, we were committed. I mean, I wasn't doing anything. I mean, but as a, as a woman, as my partner, I mean, I, I was committed to her. So bringing us up to date then, you're currently on a voyage of discovery, aren't you really? It's all quite exciting, but you're doing this in the middle of a of a pandemic. What are you finding out? How have you managed to um, connect properly with anyone, you know, men or women during this period? Has it been fruitful thus far? Well, um, I sh- shouldn't admit this in the time of COVID, but I actually went on a date with a gentleman um, just this past weekend. <laughs> Uh, actually on, on Friday, uh, it was, it was someone I met on Tinder and, and we had been talking for a few days and I had actually just gotten a COVID test at work. I mean, I, I get tested for COVID pretty regularly. Um, so I, I felt comfortable. Um, and, and we wound up going on a, on a small date. Um, very casual. Uh, we went, you know, we just went for pizza and then we were kind of taking a, a walk around the town square for an hour or so. And then we, you know, it was, freezing out so we we went and, and sat in my car just to warm up and and I, I will say nothing nothing untoward happened uh but there was there was a little bit of cuddling um i during the course of our conversation um i tried to delicately kind of i ask him kind of where he was at um i'm like i, I understand where where <laughs> that we are we're here together but i kind of Asked him how he identified, um, cause his, his Tinder didn't exclusively say which. I explained kind of where in, in my journey I was. Um, and he realized that I was the first guy he had ever asked out. And he was, he was kind of, he was excited. He was, he was very supportive. Um, when we were sitting in my car, I mean, he put his head on my shoulder and my hand in his hand and just kind of asked if I was comfortable with that, which I, I was kind of just sat in this kind of companionable silence for a bit. That's nice. It's a voyage of discovery, isn't it, for both of you, really, in this situation. But I suppose, you know, you're 33 years old. It, it would be nice if there was somewhere you could go to or reach out to locally where you could meet other people of like mind um, who are actually bisexual. As you're aware from listening probably to Bisexual Brunch, being bisexual comes with lots of issues because you have to explain to people that you're not gay, you're not straight, you're happy to be bi, and that can be an issue in itself with the people you meet. 
So how do you think you're going to navigate that? Were you honest with him? And did you tell him that you are actually bisexual? I did. Um, I just kind of, I, I explained that, you know, just like I said to you, that I have been openly, sort of openly bisexual for the, the last, you know, few weeks. I explained that at this point, I'm only out to my roommate um, and now you and, you know, the UK. <laughs> um, but I said that this was this was new to me. Um, I, I didn't want him to feel that it was an experiment. I mean, that, that's not what this is. Uh, but But he was part of this kind of an introduction into this new journey for me. Um, I, I mean, in, in terms of what you were asking earlier, you know, having a resource, having a support system, that's actually one of the reasons I decided to to come out and, and acknowledge this new side of myself. Um, just hearing hearing what you and Lewis and Nikki have said and, and what I've you know, heard in, a, in another podcast here in the U.S., just that, that by erasure is such a, a huge issue. And there are so many people afraid to come out and acknowledge this other side to themselves. As a member of my my own community or, or my own small circle, I mean, I I want to be able to be a resource um, and be able to provide a support system. I mean, if if my peers or, or friends or anyone in my own community can can see that I'm open about this, hopefully it will help other people, you know, feel as comfortable doing the same thing. Do you think bottling it up and not being open for such a long time has had any effect on you? You, you know, your mental health, your happiness, your life in general. It's hard to say. Um, in in terms of bottling it up, I, I don't think that bottling up any emotions are beneficial to one's mental health, <laughs> um, which, again, is why I chose to acknowledge it at this point. Um, what I will say about my own upbringing, um, and I, I mentioned it to you briefly via text, um, I'm not, I don't consider myself overtly feminine, uh, but I, I'm not conventionally masculine. Um, I don't like sports. I love art and music and theater. I was raised in a family where where art and music and theater were encouraged. Uh, my my father and brother don't particularly like sports. My my mom and grandmother did. <laughs> um, so I I don't come from a, a a stereotypically or conventionally masculine upbringing. Um, so I I feel like acknowledging that and being comfortable with with myself and my interests has actually made me the man I am today and now acknowledging this this piece of myself is just kind of a a, a missing puzzle piece um I I can be myself without having to fit into stereotypes because I've always broken stereotypes uh just in terms of, of who I am and, and my own interests so, so that's why there, there's kind of two sides to your question because again I I don't want to to bottle up the hidden part of my sexuality, but at the same time, I'm glad that I developed as a person without using my sexuality to define me. And have you actually come out to any of your family or, or close friends? At, at this point, um, my roommate um, is is one of my closest friends. Um, we've we've been friends for over a decade at this point. Um, she, I consider her part of my family. And the reason she was the first person I came out to, and, and honestly, so far the the only one, uh, is because she's she's part of my home. And I I told her I didn't want there to be any secrets in our home. <laughs> um, I didn't want to be you know doing this behind her back. I didn't want her to to see me in a corner like swiping furiously and not be able to tell her what I'm doing. So I I told her um, I 
had a, a really just honest conversation and she was so, so supportive and, and she's still supportive. Um, when she found out I was having a chat with you, she, she got me, um, from the grocery store, just a little like fruit and yogurt parfait so that I could brunch along with the team. <laughs> um, so at, at this point, she is the only one. Uh, I have not told my father yet. I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I, I don't think he'll love it or maybe get it, but I, I think he will support me. Um, we're, we're a very small family. Um, I, I lost my mother 10 years ago. So it, it's really my dad and brother and I, and we are very close. So I, I think it will give him a little shock to his system. Uh, the, the Catholic father may not be thrilled, but I am working toward wanting to tell him. Well, good luck with all that. Keep us posted on everything. Uh, on a basic level, how do you think you see yourselves in, in terms of men and women? We've had this discussion on the program many times. You know, are you, you know, do you see yourself as 50 50, 60 40? Do you think you're more attracted to men emotionally or sexually or vice versa? And, um, you know, have you ever managed to work that out? Have you given that any thought? I will say I haven't exactly worked it out. I, I have been thinking about it, um, again, especially hearing hearing other people's stories and, and listening in to your podcast. I, I It's it's really hard to say because I, in, in general, again, in a, in a heteronormative world um, or, or otherwise, I'm, I'm not particularly into hookup culture. Uh, that that's not something that I'm personally attracted to. I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just, it's not where I'm at my best. Um, so in, in terms of just base sexual attraction, I mean, I, I can appreciate and enjoy either from afar. Um, I mean, to really have a relationship with someone, I, I don't even like just going on a, on an app and being like, I'm supposed to be in a relationship. I'm supposed to to find this person attractive and want to, to move forward with them in my life. Um, which again, is probably why I'm so rusty because <laughs> I'm not doing that too often, but I, I do know that whomever I'm with, I, I will need a, a real connection with um, before I can move forward. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. And I think that's the case for a lot of people, but do you think you have a type when it comes to men and women? And, and when I say a type, I, I don't mean necessarily physically, you know, what's the kind of person you would like to be with? Define your ideal partner, be it man or woman. I'm open to meeting different types of people. I'm, I mean, I'm personally a, a bit of a homebody. I mean, I, I enjoy going to events. I mean, God willing, when we're, we're actually able to go to things again. Um, I, I enjoy trying new things, going out, eating, going to a gallery. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge party or clubber type. So, I mean, anyone anyone who's doing that is, is not, not quite my scene um, to any, you know, crazy extent i'm just you know looking for someone i can come home and and talk to or even sit in a companionable silence and and not have it be awkward you know just just you know a classic companion in that sort of way and are there any things that you're apprehensive about because you know you've dated women in the past and you haven't dated many men and obviously there are quirks to dating men and, and vice versa are there any things that you're a bit apprehensive or worried about absolutely um I guess the first one, if, if I'm going to be completely honest, which again, that, that's kind of my, my goal and, and what I try to do. Uh, I, I think I still need to reconcile what being in a relationship with a man would mean for, for me. Um, I, I know that that sounds simplistic, but I mean, I, I can recognize and I, I became very comfortable recognizing that there's an attraction to men, but being someone who did not identify as gay suddenly possibly being in a, a homosexual facing relationship um, is is something I, I I need to wrap my head around. 
Um, again, I, I accept it. I, I think I'm getting there. But I mean, one of the, you know, the things that I've seen, you know, just because you are in a homosexual relationship does not mean you're not bisexual. So I, I think just holding, just kind of holding on to that, that idea and, and understanding that, um, as you've said and, and as others have, have said recently, um, I think is just kind of a, a way to keep me grounded in the, and anchored in this journey. Um, I mean, in, in terms of dating men and, and forming, you know, relationships with men, I, I know there's a lot more upkeep in terms of, uh, intimate relations that I, I might have to learn a little bit more about and, and understand a little better. Well, I could tell you that every relationship is different. It doesn't all fit into stereotypes. There are lots of different varieties of lots, lots of different things. So don't worry about that and don't feel that you have to conform to a stereotype. See it as a journey of discovery. Fancying men and finding men attractive doesn't always mean that it has to go arm in arm with all the other things that you might imagine it comes with. Just, you know, take it at your pace. The danger sometimes is that people come out a bit later and they suddenly go 100% into it, uh, all guns blazing, and become shocked by it all. Then they regress because they're not sure. You know, sometimes bi men can't always cope with the in-your-face side of, of, say, gay bars, for example. Um, the great thing about being bisexual, as far as I'm concerned, is that there aren't really any stereotypes, to be honest. It, it's such an eclectic mix. And if you can get your head around that, it can be tremendously liberating to be yourself and, and to explore, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, well, I've, I mean, I've already felt that, you know, that, that liberation. I mean, as, as soon as I, again, came to terms with this, even just internally, there was honestly, like I said, just a, a weight lifted off of my heart. I mean, I, I remember going to, to work the next day or, or going to yoga that evening and just being like, I feel better. I am better now because I, I know this, this part of me. Um, and in terms of conforming to the stereotypes, like, like I said, I've, I've broken stereotypes my entire life. So I, I'm perfectly prepared to, to continue, you know, being myself, but just being more of myself and, you know, confusing people as I've, I've always done being myself and, you know, I've scrambling gaydar and <laughs> doing all that as I, as I've always done. But, but being open about who I am and, and what I enjoy and, and where I, I want that to go. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you, Michael, and to hear your story. Keep in touch and let us know how you get on in your journey. And uh, it might be good for us to revisit your story in months to come and see how you've progressed and how you've managed. And uh, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, telling your family about being bisexual. You know, lots of people will be going through exactly the same thing as you and will want to know how your story evolves. I'm sure it will be a great help to many people listening uh, to Bisexual Brunch. Um, now, I'm conscious that you, uh, you you actually need to get to work, so I better let you go. <laughs> just about. But, uh, but yeah, th thank you again, Ashley. I, I appreciate your time and, and, again, just, I mean, your support here and, and then, I mean, your support just in terms of your podcast and, and what you guys are doing um, for this ever-evolving community of, of people just kind of finding their way and and making their their way out and back into the open and, and finding themselves well let's know how things go and hopefully once we're out of lockdown you'll be able to date properly <laughs> yes fingers crossed take care michael bye thank you you as well be safe you're listening to bisexual brunch distinct drama fresh and original. Mr. Fenn, I assure you that I have not come here to murder you, however tempted I may be. A terse 40-minute drama set in a U.S. correctional facility. Oh, I see. You wish to be sent to the electric chair. 
Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 Mr. Fenn. That would not do at all. Starring the award-winning Joe Sims. In short, Mr. Fenton, you are what may be regarded as disposable humanity. Don't you dare think that I started all of this out of political ambition. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Dales, I do think that. And to show you that there is such a thing as redemption. To show you that you are educable and have potential. Show me? Show me, Mr. Dales? I think you're done showing me my potential. As we forgive them. Available now. To place yourself in the center of a dream doesn't make it a bad one. And this dream, my dream, in whatever depths of despair it may have been born, has become the start of something real. Listen at distinctnostalgia.com or search for Distinct Drama wherever you get your podcasts. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. Welcome back to Bisexual Brunch. You join me, Ashley Byrne, with uh, Lewis Oakley. No Nikki this week, I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, with us is our special guest, Jen Atkin, Miss Great Britain. Now, as well as being um, Miss Great Britain, you've told us a little bit about uh, your journey when it comes to pageantry, Jen. And uh, you've also talked to us about your own bisexual journey, you know, being openly bisexual now. Uh, but in terms of um, the kind of people you've gone for, do you find there are similarities between the men and the women that you've dated in the past? Um, you know, I personally tend to go for soft, gentle women and men. You know, um, there seems to be a they seem to be very similar in that way. Occasionally, I'll be shocked because I'll end up with somebody who's hard and you know all the rest of it, tall and whatever, <laughs> and not a bit like the people I usually go for. Um, but mostly, it's been uh, you know the types are very very similar, both for men and women. What's your type? Um, and it looks wise, I don't have a type. <laughs> um, but personality wise, I mean, I'm, a lot of people that I've been with, I've met from nights out. So usually they tend to be quite outgoing and social. Um, I'm a very outgoing and social person. So I like to be with someone who's the same. Um, and just someone who you can have a laugh with because I just love to laugh and I love to smile. And that is probably the most important quality for me. Um, so yeah, that's how I've managed to to meet them kind of people just I've, well I think most of my relationships I've met from bars or clubs to be honest <laughs> but yes that's just what I like I, I've always found that um, a lot of people I've dated and met that there's this undercurrent of you know putting conditions and rules on your relationship um, which for me rings alarm bells because um, you know I think if you're in a relationship and you love somebody it's warts and all really and you need to cope with that to an extent. I know, obviously, you can discuss things and compromise, and that's you know, it's quite about compromise. But um, you know, I do think there's a you know, people are, are very much into, into rules and set this, that, and the other, and I find that quite hard. Um, have you experienced anything like that, Lewis, yourself? Um, ish. I mean, like I kind of say, like dating girls from dating guys, I found that different. Um, and I don't know, I think it's it's a bit of a balance, right? It's like, look, I know this irritates you, so I won't do it. Um, 
But then if it's something I really love doing and it's going to really make me upset to not do it, then maybe it's not going to work. So I think there's a balance. It's like, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I quite love, like, falling to sleep. Oh, this is going to make me sound like a right weirdo. I quite like falling to sleep watching, like, either conspiracy documentaries about aliens or murder documentaries. My other half hates if I listen to murder documentaries going to sleep. Um, so I just put in earphones. And that's fine. Um, so I think it's about a balance, right? It's like, what are you willing to give up for the other person? But then I've always said, you can't pick and choose a person. Like, you get all of them or you get none of them. You can't say, oh, I like this about you, but you've got to give up your love for horse riding or whatever it is. I don't know. So I think it's about a balance. I think it's up to the individual person to decide, yeah, I could, I could you know, do the washing up at night rather than leave it for another day or, wh- or whatever it is. Now, we often talk about things that have recently been in the news. And, uh, and Jen, you've uh, recently been in the news, which is exciting. But another thing we've talked about recently uh, on this programme is Russell T. Davis's drama on Channel 4, It's a Sin, about the gay experience of the HIV and AIDS crisis in the 1980s. We've been discussing recently about how there needs to be more of a story, uh, not just about the gay side, but about how bisexual people coped at the time. Because way back then, people thought they were spreading HIV and AIDS from one sexuality to another. Um, we think that it's time for somebody to write something around the bisexual experience of HIV and AIDS in the early years. And if anyone is listening to this, if they want to talk to us about that, please come forward. If you've got an experience of the period, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. I mean, I there's so I, I get so annoyed at how much we look at repeats now and reboots and it's like, oh, we'll bring back this, we'll bring back that. I'm like, there are so many bisexual stories that haven't even been told once. Like, come on, guys. There's new content here for you. I don't understand why they wouldn't want to do it. Now, another issue in the media at the moment around LGBT things um, is uh, this uh, confusion that seems to exist around bisexuality. Um, Someone will typically come out and it will be assumed by the media that they are gay or lesbian and the bisexual element doesn't get talked about at all. But then you also get this thing where people get confused between bisexuality and non-binary. Now, obviously, the trans world is a world in itself, but there are actually a lot of trans people who identify as bisexual, interestingly. But being non-binary is a gender thing. It's nothing to do with sexuality, is it? Oh, definitely. I've, I, I just think that there's just not been enough education, like in schools and anywhere, really. And I think there is this big confusion. I think if people start learning it from a young age, then the, there won't be confusion about it. Um, I mean, I heard a little bit about something that the they're trying to make it more of a deal um, in school that, you know, this does exist because I do think school is very much um, a a pressure for people. Um, And if it is spoken more about in schools, I just think people will be more educated. And I don't, I think a lot of people would be more inclined to come out in the, in the early ages rather than having to live the life hiding something. Um, So yeah, I just think it's education. That's the problem really. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's strange. There was a soap opera I saw on the other day and they were talking about someone who'd come out as a lesbian And during the conversation, someone said, oh, you know, gay, straight, non-binary, anything goes these days. Now, to your average viewer who doesn't understand what the term non-binary means, they'll assume it's the same as bisexuality or think it's something else entirely because it's been thrown in the same sentence. And, uh, um, you know, a little bit later on, they also mentioned fluidity, which is fine. Um, But they seem to avoid all the time using the term bisexual possibly because it's got the word sex in it i don't know what do you think i think it is i think people are are scared of saying the word sex and words with sex in it um because everyone just sort of sees sex as obviously that 
Um, but it's it's not the case. And I do think when you say bisexual, a lot of people will just presume it is down to sex. Um, but, you know, if you if people read into the term and learn about it, then they'll realise that's not the case. But I th- like I said before, I think it's just lack of education. You're absolutely right. Now, we're nearly done. But before you go, we've got to ask about all those shoes in the background. Uh, I'm watching you on Zoom and all I can see in the background is dozens, dozens of shoes. How many have you got there? <laughs> oh, do, do you know what? I don't know, but I've got a really bad habit of ordering more in lockdown. Not that I've even got anywhere to wear them, but yeah, there's quite a few. you got some great boots. Well, I'm a country singer as well, so there's quite a few <laughs> cowboy boots up there. <laughs> what, what's your favourite one? What's your favourite up there? Ooh. And you've got hats as well. I can see the hats. I'll show you my new ones that came yesterday. Not that I can wear them anywhere, but I'll show you them. Oh, they're really plain. They're just black with a nicer pointed silver toe they're very plain plain jane like me but yeah these are my new ones that i bought yesterday they were eight pound ten how cute love it i love a collection i need more you can never have too many shoes they still fit before and after lockdown because you know your shoe size doesn't change so you're a country singer as well i am yeah so so where do you perform um currently in my living room (laughs) but no (laughs) it's been a long time since i've performed um i released my first single in 2018 um i was working on new material before covid um and just as i was going to be getting into the studio covid hit and unfortunately so i haven't completed my next single yet but there will be some new music this year which i'm really excited about I also remember reading that you you were into wrestling as a kid or something. What, what was all that about? Um, so my brother used to watch wrestling when we were younger and I just used to sit and watch it as well. I used to love it. Um, and I guess everyone, sort of, my family sort of presumed that I wanted to be these wrestlers, these girl wrestlers that were on there, but I didn't want to be them. I wanted to be with them. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just loved wrestling. I loved wrestling, just loved watching it, loved the excitement from such a young age. Um, not so much nowadays, but it's just such a fond memory just watching um, wrestling as a child and getting all the figurines and whatnot. <laughs> the only thing I was going to ask that I didn't get to ask was just obviously... You were crowned uh, Miss GB in February, and then we hit that pandemic, obviously, in March. So is there anything you had planned to do that you haven't been able to do because you've been locked inside? Obviously, you've come out. That's massive. And I know you've obviously done a lot around healthy living. But did you have plans that were kind of derailed? Were you going to use your crown for good and it's been ripped away? Oh, there were so many things that I wanted to do. And I wanted to make a point of... This sounds so cliche, but I wanted to make a point of going into schools and doing talks about it and just sort of, I wanted to literally just take a year off work and just go around the country doing loads of things. Um, but you, there's just barely been anything that I've been able to do either due to a lockdown or due to restrictions and it's been such a shame. Um, but like I said, I wanted to release some more music last year. There were so many different things that I wanted to do and I'd have loved to have gone on a red carpet event, but... <laughs> everything's been cancelled how how does it work now are you like default um miss great britain for another year because i'm guessing they couldn't run the pageants this year right how does it work um well my reign has been extended till at least september which is Ah. it, it sounds great but when you've when you have to consider that i have only had really three weeks of rain (laughs) um but yeah it's not it's not it's not really that great um but i'm really hoping that covid just leaves me alone and leaves everyone alone so that i can actually get out and and do some fun stuff and and whatever i mean it's great being able to do stuff like this and not actually have to leave the house um but there's so much that i wanted to do um so hopefully you know we we get freedom before then (laughs) well finally to bring it 
you know, round the full circle, there will be people wondering that outside of Risk Great Britain and your budding career doing country music, you know, what's been your, your day job? Um, so I'm just an administrator. Well, not just, a, well, I am just an administrator, which, but I love my job, to be honest. It's a nice, easy job, but I've had probably every job under the sun. I've been a post lady, a travel agent, an estate agent. I've sold shampoo in the middle of a, a shopping centre. Like, I've, I've probably had every job going. <laughs> so I may as well add Miss Great Britain to the list. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to mention because anyone out there who is doing any kind of job can achieve things, can't they? You could do other things. Um, you could do what you want um, and also have a, a general job as well, you know. Of course you can, absolutely. I feel like jobs just money side, you know. Just I work so I can fund my crazy lifestyle and jobs just for the money. You've got to do what you love in your spare time. Reach for the stars. Jen, it's been lovely to talk to you. We must catch up again sometime. It's been great to hear about your journey because everyone every bisexual journey is different we're hearing so many so many different kinds of stories some of which are difficult to hear sometimes you know when people have bottled things up for many many years and it's caused them massive problems but in your case it's really nice to hear a hopeful story you know that's really positive you know which yours seems to be you know what would you say then this is the final question what would you say is the best thing the nicest thing about being bisexual um more choice um <laughs> I guess I'm just greedy. My friends call me greedy. Um but yeah, more choice. I think um there's so many people in the world and when when there's different options for you, you really can find someone who's who's right for you. And yeah, that that's probably just the main thing really. I guess yeah, I guess not having those parameters and rules you know allows you to experience and be open to all sorts of things not necessarily in a, in a sexual sense although of course that is part of it um it's a rich tapestry isn't it lewis yeah i think for me bisexuality just makes you think right kind of like like what you were saying jen about the whole oh well, you get married by this age you get engaged by this age you have like kids by this age it's like bisexuality for me it was like taking a step back and being like whoa like i need to be part of your cult over here or your cult over here like actually I think it should be done this way. And I've got experience now of both men and women, so I can pick the best bits of each. And actually me settling down, getting married and having kids is my choice, not something that I kind of felt, well, you better do it. That's the culture. I totally agree. I may have done the exact same thing as a straight person, but I decided it for myself, (laughs) being married with kids. Well, thanks, Jen. Lovely to talk to you. Come back again soon, won't you? Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such fun. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. Bye for now. Guys, I booked a whole week off work. This is the first time I've had off since the baby was born. I'm going to have baths. I'm going to have walks. I'm going to sleep. Can you imagine? I'm going to sleep in the middle of the day. It's going to be fantastic. And I know that a lot of people use their holidays to go abroad and do interesting things, but it is lockdown. And my main priority for the next week is just sleep. You're not going to be doing any exercise during your time off then. Get those abs sorted, you know. No, I'm sorry, Jen. I'm sorry. Actually, Jen, I'll tell you the truth. I am planning to buy some cookbooks. And I really want like... I'm a big fan of being simple. Um, So what I want to do is just find five healthy breakfasts that are easy to to make really quick um, that I enjoy eating. That I'm like, okay, those are my five go-to breakfasts. Those are my five go-to lunches. And just like, just there's enough variation. But I think my problem is 
I'm like, oh, I don't know what I want. I can't think. And then, then I'll be like starving. I'll be like, all right, I'll eat whatever's there. Um, and that's why I end up eating so badly. So I'm going to plan meals and just have my kind of like, this is my diet. This is all I eat. It's, it's one of these meals. And can we expect a different hairstyle from you next time? Yeah, I, mean, I, can, I can trim the sides, but the top is, is, is delicate work. That's why I pay people to do it. So I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I might have to try and trim it myself. This programme is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.